Uh, it's just been a joy. I think everybody should have to go to church twice on Sundays because the second time is better. I don't know, it's better for me. I just got all my junk out the first time. That's just worship. Uh, so that probably creates some logistical problems for your church, but I'm going to suggest it anyway. Just come to two services. Um, just playing. Don't do that. Or if you want, whatever. Um, so, Dave uh, had kind of been catching me up, and I talked to Stephen before uh, the first service about kind of what you guys have been going through in the Gospel of Mark, and just how this this series has been called "Follow." That's a great that's a great uh, name for a series when you're talking about the life of Jesus, because he really does. He just asks you, "Hey, follow, follow me." And and the Gospels, all the Gospels, are full of just these crowds of people who are kind of pursuing Jesus, kind of coming close to Him and wondering, is this, is this the kind of man I want to follow? Is this, is this a king? Is this the ruler that I, that I want for my life? And we're trying to figure out who He is and, and whether or not He's worth following. And that could be a lot of us this morning. Is where we have spent most of our lives staring at Jesus from kind of a distance and wondering, should I follow Him? Because it looks scary. Um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure it's going to be safe. I'm not sure it's going to be good for me. And we wonder, is, is this okay? Should I, should I do this? Can I take this jump? Can I take this risk? Is He worth it? Um, and as we, as we encounter the Bible, every time we encounter Scripture, it should change us. It's, I mean, like God wrote a book for you. That's crazy, right? I mean, like, that, shouldn't that blow your mind? It, it blows my mind. It should. I mean, sometimes I get so used to these stories, and, and we're going to be talking about a couple of stories today that you've heard a hundred times. Right? Jesus feeds the 5,000, and Jesus walks on water. Kind of mashing those two together today. And you've seen the flannel graphs, right? Like in Sunday school when you were five, you know, the lady had this, the, the stuff on the board. And you, you know these stories. These aren't new stories, but these stories are life-changing. They're absolutely like... If you just put yourself in the middle of these stories, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible and it should change us. God, God gave us these stories about Himself to, to change our hearts, to embolden us and empower us to live lives of obedience and sacrifice. And so, as we encountered this this morning, my prayer is that this wouldn't just be another like Sunday where you just come in and you do your thing and you leave. I want you to be more like Jesus. I want you to leave more empowered, more emboldened, more encouraged to go and live out the truths that we explore here. And so I'm going to read. I'm actually cheating. I, t- I asked Dave if it was okay. And there's something in, in, in this account of in Matthew that I really wanted to, to draw from. And so instead of doing these stories from Mark, I'm doing Matthew. We're, we're preaching through Matthew in my church. So I've kind of got like a crush on Matthew right now anyway. So I asked him if I could do that. And he said that was fine. So if you go to Matthew chapter 14, we're going to read these two stories. I'm just going to read them to you. And then we're going to pray and ask God to, to help us because we really need it. <clears throat> now, when Jesus heard this, He withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by Himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed Him on foot to the towns. And when He went ashore, He saw a great crowd and He had compassion on them. And He healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, uh, This is a desolate place, and, and the day is now over. So send the crowds away to go into the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, um, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, 
said, well, bring him here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and children. Immediately he made the disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went away up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And the fourth watch of the night, it's really early morning, it's 3 or 4 a.m. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. Walking on the sea. Crazy. Okay. Um, walking on the sea, and they were terrified. And they said, It's a ghost! That's how they said it. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it's, it's, it is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took a hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the, the Bible. Um, thank you for these, these pictures of Jesus, this miraculous provider, this gracious rescuer, this glorious God who can walk on water. God, we come to you and we just we know that, that you're not finished with us. God, this church is not yet what it is meant to be. And so I pray that this morning you would encourage us and empower us. God, help me to encourage this body uh, to be more faithful to Christ, more like Christ in the way that we live. Um, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, a little bit about myself. I'm married to, to my wife, Joy. And she's awesome, and she is pregnant with our fourth child. So I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, she's almost four. I have a one-year-old, and we're about to have another one. So my life is absolute chaos. And uh, I'm sure a lot of y'all's lives are absolute chaos. Uh, and, and this is you know Thanksgiving time, and so we've all, all kind of been around family this week, as most of you kind of done some sort of family celebration. And one of the things that happens in my family is there's, just, there's like 7,000 kids in our family. And there's, there's one universal truth about kids, that if, if one of the uncles decides to be the cool uncle and like throw kids or swing kids or, or do something crazy with them, like a line forms and all the other kids come and you, and you throw them around. And even before the service, my son, who's five, came up here and he was like, there's a, there's a stage and there's a ledge. I, I'm going to jump. <laughs> like, I, I, kids are natural thrill seekers. Like, they, they want to do crazy things. 
They want to be thrown in the air. They want to, they want to have fun. They want to have adventures. And so little boys, when they go in this forest, they find a bent stick and, and all of a sudden it's a gun. They find a straight stick and it's a sword, right? Like We want thrilling adventure. We're built for that. We're built for excitement. That's why people go to you know, amusement parks. So we do roller coasters. That's why people jump out of airplanes. How many of you have jumped out of an airplane in your life? See, we're just, we're just making up ways to scare ourselves, right? Like, we just do ridiculous things because it's a rush. And we, and we love to feel that rush, that excitement, that, that thrill. And so, uh, this is such a great story here. And I think, it, I think it gives us a little bit of a glimpse that Jesus is kind of after the thrill seekers. That, that, he, that, that the life of the believer is thrilling. It's It's wild. Scary. And so what I want to do is I want to tell you this story again. Kind of just rehash it. Um, just in, in my own words to maybe help, help us get a little bit more in, into the story. We can kind of feel what the disciples felt. Because Jesus was worn out. He was, I mean, he had been, he'd been doing healing people and teaching people. He just heard that his, that his friend had died in prison. He's worn out. He's tired. So he withdraws with his disciples, but the crowds are like watching where his boat goes, and they like meet him where he was going. And so for Jesus, in Mark, it actually says that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were just wandering, hoping they would find a shepherd. And he had compassion on them, and he kept going. And he spent all day healing these people, just healing leprosy, casting out demons, whatever they needed. He, they brought their sick to him, and he healed them. And then, and then it's, it's towards the end of the day, and the disciples start to, for whatever reason, get kind of worried. And I think this is kind of funny because, because they've been watching Jesus like cure the incurable leprosy, for instance. And the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, you know that, you know that feeling in your tummy after you don't eat for like four hours? Um, you're going to have to send people away to take care of that one. Isn't that ridiculous? Like... They're worried about the people's hunger, and Jesus is over here doing miracles. And so Jesus kind of uses this to kind of jab at him. He's like, oh, well, you know, they don't have to go away. It's cool. Uh, you, you give them something to eat. And they're like, well, um, can't do that. We only got five loaves of bread, two fish. He's like, guys, all right, bring them here. Bring, bring me the bread, goofballs. Uh, and and he brings them and he says, "All right, all right, I'm going to pray, and you just get some baskets and get ready, guys." And so he prays and he starts breaking the bread, putting it into baskets, and the disciples get this amazing experience of witnessing because Jesus had just asked them to do, to do something that they couldn't do. They literally were powerless to do what Jesus told them to do. And then they get to fill these baskets full of bread and fish. And they're just wandering around these crowds of people. Here, have, have, some, have some food apparently. We have food now. Wouldn't that have been an amazing feeling? To, to be able to go and give people food that you, you had no power to, to provide. And Jesus just does it. Wouldn't that have been a strength, a, a rush? What an experience to do this impossible thing. And so everybody's full. Probably like 10,000 people at least. Five loaves, two fish. Crazy. 
Everybody's full. Jesus says, hey, hey, disciples, I'm, I'm still pretty tired. You guys go ahead. Um, get in the boat. Go ahead. Crowds, you go home. I'm going to go and, and pray and be with my Father. Now, this is just a little side note, mini-sermon. Um, spend time with God, like, alone. Jesus did it, so, like, you probably need to do it, too. Right? And it's just it's a freebie. So, uh, so Jesus sends him away, and he goes up to the mountain to pray, and, and uh, the, the story is that there was a storm, a windstorm, and the, and the boat is blown like three or four miles out to sea. So they're, they're way out there, and Jesus does just one of the craziest things that I, like, I can think of him doing at this moment. Like He just decides to go like, for a walk on the sea. Like, that's crazy. Like He just walks on the water... For three or four miles, a lot of times, like when we think of this story, we think maybe he just like fifty yards or whatever. He wasn't he wasn't exercising; he was just taking a little walk. And uh, but he's walking on the sea to these guys. And then we have, of course, uh, the the disciples see them, and they are or see him, and and they're rightly freaked out, right? I mean, it's a ghost. It, it's got to be like, I mean, what would you have thought? In the middle of the night, and there's this figure, like, walking on water, right? Is this, I mean, marine biologists, well, that's the, that's the floating fish of the Mediterranean Sea, right? I don't, know. I don't know what they would think. It might be. I feel like ghost is a pretty good guess. Um, and so they were freaked out, and I would have been freaked out too. And, and so Jesus says, hey, hey guys, it, it, don't, don't be afraid, it's me. And this is where I really want to zero in. Okay, this is where it gets this is where it gets fun for us. I want us to watch what happens because this story about Jesus walking on the water and what Peter does in response to this it's it's a really cool movement because it goes from the disciples getting Jesus totally wrong and saying it's a ghost to the story ends with the disciples saying truly you are the Son of God and they worshipped him. And we need to go on that journey. We need to go on the journey that takes us from a misunderstanding of who Jesus is, that He's some sort of strange figure that we don't know what to do with. We need to get from there to worship and truth. And so this story is very important for us to see what happened. What, what was Jesus doing? What was Peter's response? And, and how did it end so well in worship? And so the key to understanding the story is to really watch Peter because he was just a goofball. Like he was just one of the guys up to this point. And then all of a sudden, Peter kind of emerges as this leader among the twelve. This is kind of one his, like, his initiation at this, this place. This weird, really, really weird story. And it starts with this daring request. The, the daring request. If it is you, command me and I'll... Command me to come out of the water to you. I want to, I want to do that. What a crazy thing to ask. Of all the things you could have asked, like, Jesus, can you take care of this wind? It's, it's freaking me out. Or, you know, can you come get in the boat? Because that, that's weird. Or, you know, like, I don't, I, there's all kinds of things he could have asked Jesus, but he said, hey, can, can I come out to you? And here's what I think was going through his mind. I obviously wasn't there. But I think he was remembering this, this, the feeling of, of catching 
these baskets full of bread from the hands of Jesus and, and taking them to His people. And He's thinking, Jesus, you remember that time when you asked me to do something that I couldn't do and then you did it through me? Do that again. Isn't that... He was addicted. He was addicted to the thrill of obedience to Jesus. That feeling of participating in things that were too big for Him. Doing the impossible. Living a life that that is unexplainable. It's a rush to follow Jesus. It is. It's. I mean, it's it's scary. But I mean, think think thrill seeking here. My, my my big brother's here. He does ridiculous things all the time. He, he climbed glaciers, didn't you? Like it's crazy. Like he he goes and he, he just he thr- we do these things. We thrill seek. We go after these thrills, and we and we always shortchange Jesus. Like that's the boring life. It's a thrill. It is an amazing thing to participate in eternal realities. To be called to participate in a mission that goes beyond the grave. What an amazing opportunity we have to follow Jesus. Now, it's scary, sure, it's scary. I mean, we went to Disney World, and my son is five years old, and he did not like the, kind of, the whole idea of roller coasters. It freaked him out. And I was like, all right, buddy, we're going to go, and you're just going to have to trust me. And so we're going to start small. We're gonna go, it's a small world. And he's like, all right, so what's going to happen here? There's a, there's a boat and some little people. And yeah, it's kind of a scary concept, but, you, but <laughs> it's kind of weird. And so I was like, but you're going to have to trust me. We're just going to go on these. We're going to start small and go on that, and then... Just do little little rides, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And then by the end of it, he was hooked. He loved it. He wants to go back. He won't stop talking about it. And so I think, do you make these kind of requests to Jesus? Like, what are you asking to ask you to do? Like, are you, are you willing to make these kinds of daring requests because there's all kinds of impossible things Jesus asks you to do. There's all kinds of needs in this city that, that nobody will meet. If you don't say, Jesus, will you send me into this brokenness? Will you, will you ask of us as a church to, to reduce the lostness, to bring people into your kingdom? Or do you just huddle in fear on the boat like those other 11 guys? And you just, you just all, like, you, the whole thing you want is a doable life. Like, that's all you're really after. Is I want a life where things are doable. I want my kids to do what I ask them to do. I want my marriage to be cool. You know, I want to have a decent job, decent finances, good retirement. And then, I, you know, I just, I want my life to be doable. And I don't think that's what Christ calls us to. He doesn't call you to a doable life, He wants you to live an impossible life. Absolutely impossible. A life changing, a world changing kind of life. And so here's where we need to start asking is like, what is what is he asked you to do that you're holding back from? What would you love to see done in your world? What neighbors do you want to see reached? What needs do you want to see met? What people are God sending you to? I mean, I know, I know that like all of us have a lot of stuff going on. Like, you, your life's hard. Like life's life's difficult. Um, you probably got troubles that nobody knows about. 
And you think, well, I'll, I'll follow Jesus after things clear up. But Peter walked to Jesus in the middle of the storm. Right? It wasn't like when things calmed down and then like the water was smooth and then maybe I'll try to do this weird thing that Jesus asked me to do. No. Like, are you willing to lock eyes with Jesus in the middle of the storm and make that daring request, ask me to do what I have no power to do? And as the story moves on, we see this uh, the fearful failure. What kind of we're, we're, we're moving forward here. And, and Peter asks this question, and Jesus says, Come. Now, I'm really glad that Jesus invited Peter out onto the water, because the story would have been a flop otherwise. But also, like, he could have just said, Hey, you know, you know, Peter, don't, don't be a dummy. Stay in the boat. I'll be there in a second, you know? And, but you no, know, he says, Yeah, come. Come on out. That's a good idea. That's good. Come on out. And as he was doing this, this impossible thing, now, I want you to, to, to imagine what's going on here. Because this is Peter, a uh, fisherman for his whole life, and he's, he's in the middle of a storm. He sees Jesus, he loves Jesus. And he's seen Jesus do amazing things. And, and Jesus says, come. And he's like, alright, let's do this. And so he, he, he steps out of the boat, and like, like he puts his foot on the water, and like there's a firmness there that's holding his leg up. And then he, then he pulls his other leg over, and all of a sudden he's standing on the water that he'd been fighting against his whole life as a fisherman. Right? He's, he's been fighting that water forever. And all of a sudden he's standing on his, his same feet, that same water. What's the difference? How is he able to do this thing? The only reason he's able to do this is because he's locked eyes with Jesus and Jesus made his feet and he made that water and he said, come. And Jesus enabled him to, to obey this impossible command. Just like he did with the bread and the fish. He enabled this impossible feat. Before we get too far, I want you to see sort of the order of how this happened. Is, is Peter doesn't just see Jesus and jump out and expect the water to catch him. He doesn't go, he doesn't take the risk without Jesus asking him to come. He waits for Jesus to say, come. And a lot of us are like just, we like to take risks for the t- sake of taking risks. We like change for the sake of change or for the sake of glory. And that's not obedience, that's just recklessness. And if Peter had done that, if he just jumped without the clear call of Jesus, he could have drowned. And so, whenever you're considering, how, how can I obey Christ? Make sure He's calling you forward. I mean, I'm a church planter, and that's kind of like the cliff jumpers of ministry. You know, like, that's, that's a pretty crazy thing to do, um, planting a church. And, and I was... I get freaked out all the time. I get freaked out. What am I doing? <laughs> like this is a crazy thing to try to plant a church to go to go to the city where there's not a church and then hope that, or uh, where there's not a church that I, I planted. There's other churches there, um, but where there and and ask God to do something crazy. And so, uh, and so it is. It's nerve wracking. It's scary. And so that's part of the reason I came to this church is I wanted, I wanted to, to I came to Dave McMurray and I just said, listen, I want to plant a church. Uh, I feel like that's a crazy thing to do, and I need you to make sure that I'm not just being dumb. And so for a year, I spent with him and I just asked him, hey, look at my life, look at my marriage, uh, look at. Uh, I, I want to know if I'm making a huge mistake. Uh, and so, I, if 
How would it just jump? It could have sunk. We need to make sure that Jesus is calling us as we move forward in obedience. Now, as the story progresses... Okay, so all right. I don't know how long this took, actually, but Peter's on the water, he's walking towards Jesus, and for whatever reason, all of a sudden, his fisherman instincts kick in, and he's like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, I'm a fisherman, there's a boat, I'm in a storm, I'm on the water, like, this is a bad idea. And he, and he loses, loses sight of Jesus, and he starts to see the wind and the waves, and he sinks. And he just cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus... He's got to be smiling. Like he, Jesus has to be smiling at this point. He just reaches down, he grabs Peter's hand, and he pulls him up back onto the water, and he says, You, you have a little faith. Why did you doubt? You were just doing it. <laughs> like you were just walking on water. Why did you doubt that you could? You just saw me heal all those people. You just saw me feed all those people. You, see, you followed me around for months and months, and now, why did you doubt? Silly. Right. And I imagine, you know, you have to think about what Peter goes on and lives and he thinks back on that early morning while it was still dark and he thinks about it. And I think there's a couple of things that probably stuck in his mind. And the first one was, man, I could have died that night. I probably should have died that night. I, I, I disbelieved Jesus. I, I, I was in the middle of the water like a dummy on, in the middle of a storm. You know, like, I should have died that night. He thought about the danger of faithlessness. The danger of doubt in the midst of obedience. The, da- the danger that that puts us in when we, when we lose sight of Jesus as we live our lives. What a dangerous thing that is. So that's, that's probably one thing. I could have died that night, but the second thing was, I didn't die that night. I was sinking in the water to certain death and Jesus in His mercy reaches down and grabs me and pulls me back up by sheer grace. Peter did not deserve that. And so Peter gets to look back on this moment and every other risk he takes, he remembers Christ saves me. He rescues me. He pulls me out even in my faithlessness. He, He rescues me. And I'm willing to bet from that moment on, when he thought of that, when he thought of the gracious hand that saved him in spite of his failures, he was all the more motivated to believe. To believe that Christ is enough for him. So out of this, I just want to ask you, don't waste your storms. Don't waste those difficulties. What, a, what, ama- what an amazing thing that happened there. I mean, Jesus could have just walked around the sea and met the disciples. He could have, calmed, he could have made it, there be no storm. But He did all this on purpose to showcase His power and to encourage Peter's faith and to rescue him in his failures. Don't waste your storms. Don't sit around and think, why is my life so hard? Why is my marriage so hard? Why is my job so thankless? Why is parenting so difficult? We waste these opportunities to trust Christ and to follow Him in the middle of the storm. And so often we just, we just put it off till later. I'm going to follow Christ when things are easier. And Jesus says, no, I've, I have architected your life in such a way as to magnify my glory and to show you how much you need me. 
So don't waste your storms. And finally, we have the fruit of faith, even imperfect faith. Like Peter, he kind of dropped the ball there, right? The fruit of, of his faith, as imperfect as it was, there we go. Um, there's two things, there's two pieces of fruit, if you will. Uh, the first one is, is there's rescue. Right? Jesus, Jesus saves the day. Right? He, he, he rescues Peter from certain death. And then he calms the storm. And I want to I want to put it in a bigger context and, and realize that Jesus saves the day for us. Right? Because the same hand that reached down and pulled Peter out of the sea and the same hand that, that he held up when he stopped the wind was the same hand that was stretched out on a cross and pierced with nails bearing the sins of all of us. That when we follow Jesus in faith, when we say, He is the King and I will follow Him, there is rescue for you. From anything that life can throw you, any sin that you've committed, there's rescue for you. There's life for you. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is worship. That... The disciples, they're all standing in the boat and it's calm and Jesus is there miraculously and they just say, wow, truly, you are the Son of God. They worshipped Him. You rescued us. You saved us. You, You did what we didn't know was possible. You helped Peter do what he didn't know was possible. And we will worship you. See, God wants to do impossible things with your life. He does. He has. Um, I mean, if you don't, if you don't think so, I, mean, I was just looking at this. Um, grab one of these on your way out. This is like this this map of the world. Um, and I was thinking about your. Uh, it's just a map of the world. It's got all these countries, and it's got uh, the percentage of people who actually have access to the gospel. It's just really low all over the world. And Jesus says, what was the memory verse for this week? Go therefore into all nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that that I've commanded you. If you don't think Jesus is calling you to live an impossibly hard life, then, then you don't know. You're not following Jesus. If you think... If you don't think it's impossible, you don't know what you've been asked to do. And if you don't fear your faithlessness, you don't know what's at stake. And if, and if you don't glory in the faithfulness of Christ to save you in the midst of your faithfulness, faithlessness, and you don't know Jesus, if that doesn't make you worship, if that doesn't draw your heart out towards Him, Make you make you rest your entire faith in Him. You just got to look hard. Am I just one of those people in the crowds that's saying, um, "I'm not sure if I want to follow that guy." That looks looks pretty ridiculous. I don't know what he might ask me to do. So I guess just the question is, will the, will the way that you live 
Will the, will the way that you fail? Um, and will the one that you cry out to lead others to worship Jesus? I pray that it will. Let's, let's pray. God, I thank you. Um, I know that there's a lot of different kinds of people here today. I, think, I know that there's, that, there's, that there's people here who have looked at a distance at you for a long time. Wondering if you're worth the risk. Wondering if you're worth following. If you're, if you're the king they've really been waiting for. God, for those here that have that heart, I pray that you would help them to see how good you are. How powerful you are to, to call and to, and to empower us to do the things that we never thought were possible. To live lives of real meaning, of true joy. God, there's those of us who are just kind of huddled in the boat. We've followed you for a while. And we're still scared to, to, to just trust you with our lives, with our real obedience. I pray that you would, um, I pray that you would call out your church. And that we would be serious about what you're serious about which is to seek and to save that which is lost. And God, for those of us who are like Peter, where we're standing and we're trying to obey, and there's waves all around us, and, and, and the, those people God, that are like that just freaked out right now, there, there's, it's a scary place to be, to be in the middle of obedience. And I pray that you would give them a sturdy faith. Faith that's unshaken by the storms that rage around them. God, we need you way more than we think we do. And so be with us now as we go. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.